Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast, where we bring together the best medical minds, thought leaders, scientists, patients, and caregivers to inform and inspire the spondylitis community. I'm your host, Jill Miller, living my best spa life, knowing that how we meet today has the power to change everything going forward. Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast. Today, our guest is Dr. Jurg Ehrman. He is a rheumatologist at Brigham and Women's Hospital and assistant professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School in Boston. He's a native of Germany and received his MD from the University of Leipzig after a postdoctoral fellowship in immunology at Stanford University and internal medicine residency at the University of Tennessee, Memphis. He completed his subspecialty training in rheumatology at Brigham and Women's Hospital. His laboratory investigates disease mechanisms relevant to spondyloarthritis using mouse models and translational research approaches. He is the chair of Spartan Spondyloarthritis Research and Treatment Network, an organization of North American rheumatologists dedicated to research and education in the field of spondyloarthritis. So, Dr. Ehrman, thank you for joining us today to talk about biologics and biosimilars. How are you? Uh, good. Hello. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Okay. So as we get started, I do have a question for you. Can you tell us what translational research is? Because I think this is something that our listeners would be interested because in, I think it's a lot of what we, we uh, talk about on the podcast, and I don't think we've ever framed it that way. Then there's no easy answer to this. I would say that translational research is uh, the research between uh, basic science, which uh, happens in uh, petri dishes and in animals, and on the on the other end of the spectrum, um, clinical research uh, that is solely focused on um, studying um, patients with a condition or uh, um, testing drugs in clinical trials. So translational is is. All of that in between that involves um, analyzing samples from patients um, and and connecting the knowledge that we um, gain in um, uh, sort of the basic research setting to the disease presentations and the and the, and the clinical symptoms that that patients have. Awesome. Uh, so as we get into biologics, thanks for that. Uh, as we get into biologics, we'll start there first. Uh, what is a biologic and how do they work in the treatment of spondyloarthritis? So biologics is a class of medications um, that, that is defined by um, their structure. So, so most uh, traditional drugs that we use are small molecules. They have a chemical formula that you can write down on paper. And uh, these uh, small molecules um, are typically synthesized in a um, cell-free system. And uh, then they can be administered as, as, as tablets and they're taken up by the, by the body through the uh, GI tract. In contrast, uh, biologics are large biologic molecules, uh, proteins. Uh, so they are a, a sequence of, um, of, of, of amino acids that, that fold in a certain way. And, and these biologic molecules um, are produced in bioreactors using um, cell lines. And uh, so, so these molecules then cannot be 
administered uh, through the GI tract because they would be digested by, by our digestive tract. So they have to be given um, uh, parenterally, that's the technical term, so as, as injections, either subcutaneously or intravenously. That covers a little bit about how they're different from other treatment options, but in general, uh, how are they different from an NSAID or a DMARD type of treatment option? So be because uh, uh, there are these large molecules, they, they cannot go into cells. So they um, typically work by blocking uh, mediators that, that transmit signals between cells because these large molecules um, remain outside of, outside of cells. In contrast, uh, other drugs such as NSAIDs, for instance, um, they, um, as I already said, they, they can be taken up through the GI tract into the bloodstream. Then they can enter from the bloodstream into this, this space between cells in the tissues, and then they enter the, 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 the cells and they act inside of cells, whereas the, the biologics cannot do that. And so they, they function outside of cells. Um, they are typically um, monoclonal antibodies. So, so these are um, molecules that, that play an important role in, in, in immune defenses, uh, but they're specifically designed to um, bind either soluble mediators or um, receptors on the surface of target cells. And, uh, and so, so they can very specifically block um, the uh, function of these soluble mediators, or they can block uh, receptors, or they can have a number of other effector functions. But they, uh, as I said, uh, they, they act outside of cells in, in, typically. Okay, so in terms of the biologics, is there a variety of different types and how, what are those different types? So it's an interesting question. One can approach this, uh, you know, either structurally or functionally. So structurally, most biologics are monoclonal antibodies. So, so these are um, um, molecules um, that um, specifically inhibit uh, uh, bind to certain targets and then uh, inhibit their function. Some biologics uh, that we use are also recombinant proteins. So for instance, uh, etanercept, which uh, we use to block TNF, uh, is not a monoclonal antibody. It's a recombinant uh, TNF receptor that is then specifically engineered to also capture and bind TNF uh, outside of cells. Um, another way of looking at biologics is, is functionally. So um, the question is, what is the target of, uh, of, these, of these inhibitors? And so in uh, spinal arthritis, for instance, um, the uh, relevant targets are TNF, um, interleukin 17A, um, then for peripheral arthritis also um, IL-12 and um, IL-23. And, and so the, the, the biologics differ in uh, what kind of mediators they, they inhibit. Interesting. And when you're seeing patients, uh, first, how important is it for you to intervene or work with the patient to intervene with biologics in managing spondyloarthritis? And 
are there benefits to intervening early uh, with that as a treatment? So, you know, it's important, I think, to, to emphasize that uh, uh, the development of these biologics really has revolutionized the treatment of um, not just spinal arthritis, but of rheumatic diseases in general and the, the treatment of many diseases beyond that. Um, the, the, the reason for that is that, that with these biologics, we, we have the ability to very um, specifically and very effectively block specific mediators that play a role in the disease process. Um, that before the biologics, before the uh, development of the technology to, um, to generate these monoclonal antibodies, that was not possible. And so that was really a, a revolution and, uh, and rheumatology, including the field of spinal arthritis, has, has, has sort of paved the way for, for, for a whole wave of, 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 of drugs that, that are being introduced uh, in many uh, areas of, of, of medicine these days. Um, and when you're beginning, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. So, so I have to as a bracket now. What, what, what was your question? I, I got a little sidetracked here. Oh no, 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 that's okay. It was: is there a benefit to early intervention with a biologic versus trying to wait it out and use other medications? Yeah. So, um, so, so we we have the the ability to to interfere at, at, at very specific um, uh, aspects of the of the disease process. And um, what we've learned now is that uh, yes, it is it is is it beneficial to stop um, the uh, inflammation early. Um, so um, non-steroidals, um, you know, were discovered as 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 treatments for uh, spinal arthritis um, in the mid twentieth century, um, and our understanding of the disease process at that point was very um, narrow. Um, and so we, we've learned more about the, the mediators that play a role. And we uh, understand or we know at least some of them, including TNF and IL-17A. Um, and so with the biologics, we can inhibit these uh, molecules. And um, that translates into benefits for patients. Um, because inhibiting inflammation results in um, in um, reduced symptoms, and we've learned and studies have shown this that uh, intervening um, with this disease process early ultimately results in in better outcomes. Awesome. So, as you're treating someone, are there determining factors, symptom related or other, that would cause you to choose one biologic over another? And I know you talked a little bit about it, but I think in, it, with that, like, is there comorbidities that you have to consider? Yeah, so um, if we, for instance, think about um, um, axial spondyloarthritis or ankylosing spondylitis, um, we have um, two types of biologics that, that are uh, available that, that have been uh, shown to, uh, to be uh, efficacious in, in treating the, the symptoms of the disease. And so these are the, the TNF inhibitors and the IL-17A inhibitors. 
um, there was only one study so far that actually compared these two different um, uh, mechanisms against each other. And that study uh, did not show a difference uh, in terms of how effective um, uh, they were. So that, that means that uh, we have a number of options because within these two classes, we also have uh, different drugs that, that are approved. So there are five different TNF inhibitors and two IL-17A inhibitors that are currently approved for the treatment of spondyloarthritis in the US. Um, and uh, um, just starting with this, there, there um, is uh, no difference really in terms of what to, what to choose um, because they work equally well. And we, uh, uh, at least when you, when you look at the effect of these medications in in large cohorts of patients in clinical trials. That's not always uh, the case for individual patients, but we have no um, parameters that that would help us to identify which drug works works the best for the individual patient. There are a few additional factors that that play a role, though. So, for instance, um, we know that IL-17A inhibitors um, work better for the treatment of psoriasis. So if a patient has, in addition to um, uh, inflammation in the, in the spine and peripheral joints, um, so if there's a lot of psoriasis, then an IL-17A inhibitor would be better. On the other hand, we know that um, TNF uh, uh, monoclonal antibodies um, work better um, for uh, uveitis um, and um, these, the the anti-TNF antibodies also work for inflammatory bowel disease, whereas the IL-17A inhibitors don't. So uh, that's an important distinguishing factor. Uh, so if are these are there additional uh, disease manifestations or comorbidities uh, um, in um, present that could then uh, help to, to decide which of these medications um, um, is 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 should be um, should be selected. Um, and there's a, another factor that, that plays an important role here, and that is um, also insurance. Um, so um, the uh, different insurance companies and plans have um, formularies, and um, they differ tremendously between um, the, the, the different um, plans. And so that also has an important uh, impact on what treatment options are available for the individual patient. Okay, so now if you're on a biologic or thinking about one, uh, side effects always come up um, as a discussion point. What are potential side effects of biologic and how, how does that get managed or do you move someone off the biologic? So the, we use these, these biologics because they inhibit mediators that play a role in inflammation. Um, but the, um, the purpose of these mediators is not to make us sick, but we, we as human beings have these mediators to help us to defend our body against uh, microorganisms. And so, so that means that if we interfere with these, with these pathways, um, there is an increased risk 
for infections um, that um, uh, and that that's inherent to to the to the biology of of these of these biologics um, but it depends on which um, mediator is targeted what the the spectrum of of infections is that one can uh, expect um, for instance um, in TNF uh, inhibit or with TNF inhibitors there's in particular risk for mycobacterial infections. That's why, um, for instance, we uh, check everyone for latent TB infections before starting these, these medications. Um, the IL-17A inhibitors play an important, or, or IL-17A, let, let's, let's say that, um, plays an important role in defenses against uh, fungi. So uh, treatment with an IL-17A blocker then increases the risk for developing uh, a fungal disease, in particular, uh, Canada infections. Um, so oral thrush, for instance, which is a, a Canada infection of the of the mouth, is is something that's more common with this type of um, um, biologic. And thank you for that, because I know it's always it can be tough as you're going down this path as a patient. And um, in terms of patient populations, is there anyone that is not recommended to be on biologics? That's a very general question. I don't think <laughs> at, at this general level that that there that there is uh, um, anyone that that I would a priori um, exclude from 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 considering a biologic. Okay, including pregnancy. Well, that's that's a good question. Um, so. Um, the um, obviously th there's always a big concern um, uh, what the uh, impact of, of new medications is on uh, uh, during pregnancy uh, on the on the mother on the developing child um, the we have had the TNF inhibitors now for about 20 years and the experience with these medications uh, now is that uh, they seem to be safe. Um, so um, TNF inhibitors uh, can be uh, continued during pregnancy. Um, the other biologics, and, and now I want to be specific, um, you know, and, and talk about the biologics that we use to treat spondylarthritis are likely safe. Um, but we would prefer not to treat a pregnant woman at this point in time simply because we don't have enough data. Um, but based on the mechanism of action, I would not expect um, uh, any, any, uh, any, any side effects um, during pregnancy. Okay, that's good, good news, but check with your rheumatologist and OBGYN. Yeah, I think that's, that's very important. Okay, great. Um, so once someone has started down the road of a biologic, uh, I know they vary in the loading doses and uh, getting them into people's systems, but are there checkpoints when you try to determine if it's effective? And are there certain criteria that you would decide it's effective or not effective or time to move on? So in clinical trials, the, the readout is typically after 12 or 16 weeks. And so, so that's the time that, that, that I give 
um, a medication in, in, in clinical practice. So, um, you know, after three months or so, um, I um, asked the patient to come back and then um, we um, assess whether the intervention um, is effective or not. Typically, um, patients experience, if the medication works, uh, they, they uh, experience uh, improve much earlier than this. Um, that can be a few days, uh, but certainly within a month or so, um, we, we, uh, we see improvement if the, if the medication works. And is it usually the patient saying they feel better? Is the guiding? Hopefully it is that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there are more sophisticated ways for, for assessing this. Um, so um, there, there is a, a, a couple of um, disease activity scores that, that can be used to measure uh, the, um, the symptom severity and uh, uh, therefore also the, the impact of, of, of treatments. Um, so uh, there's the BASDI, uh, the Bath Ankylosing Spondylitis Disease Activity Index, um, which um, is a six-question questionnaire um, um, which, which then gets calculated. The answers to these questions get calculated into a, into a score between zero and 10. And that is something that we, that we use. Um, a newer and slightly more sophisticated um, score is the ASDAS. Um, and uh, the ankylosing spondylitis disease activity score uh, that is based on also uh, a, a few questions plus um, a CRP uh, measurement. So CRP is a commonly used um, um, blood marker of inflammation. And so, so the uh, answers to these questions and the CRP value then uh, are um, entered into, into a formula and that also gives a number and then can use that to, to measure uh, symptom severity. Um, so, so these are things that, that are helpful, but ultimately the most important thing is really what the, the symptoms are. So if a medication works, uh, it should be um, something that, 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 the, that, that is noticeable in, in everyday life. So, so the, the question of, right. uh, are you feeling better than three months ago should be um, you know, answered with a, with, a, with a clear yes, if the medication works. Yeah, uh, so in terms of once symptoms are under control and people are feeling better, uh, most biologics are typically long-term treatment, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And and in the case that someone is having less response to it, to the biologic, is is it okay to switch and go go back and forth if you're say you take one and it's not working so great anymore and you switch to another biologic, can you go back to where you came from? Well, so there's a, a, a there's a number of, of of scenarios that 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 uh, one can encounter here. Um, you know, one scenario is that um, we start a biologic, and then um, you know after a, a certain period of time, we look at the response, and there hasn't really been any improvement. Um, so in this situation, then. Um, 
you know, it doesn't make sense to continue with that medication and, and we can then uh, switch to an alternative biologic and, and see whether there's a better uh, response. Obviously, um, there's, there's also, there needs to be a discussion about, so, so why, what are potential reasons why, the, why the medication doesn't work? And that includes also, uh, um, uh, some considerations about, is the diagnosis correct? Um, an alternative scenario would be that, um, the biologic has actually worked. And then after a certain period of time, that can be uh, a year, it can be several years, um, it doesn't work as well anymore. Um, so, so that we call a, a secondary failure. So the, the first scenario was a primary failure of the medication. This is now a secondary failure. And, and so in the, the secondary failure um, can happen, for instance, if the immune system starts to develop antibodies against the drug that then inactivate uh, the biologic. And so in, in that situation, then we um, would switch to uh, an alternative um, medication, alternative biologic of the same class, and then often then uh, uh, um, restores the, the, the response and, and, and uh, the, the symptoms decline again. Um, and so these are sort of the, the two basic scenarios um, for, for how, we, how we look at at the response of, of biologics. Obviously, there's also um, um, situations where um, there's responses there, but there is fluctuation of, of, of symptom severity over time because there's a, a temporary flare-up of symptoms um, which may require uh, taking uh, some additional medications like non-steroidals for, for a certain period of time. Um, and then, um, you know, after a couple of weeks or so, symptoms return to baseline. So, so that's also a possible scenario. Okay, great. That was super helpful. SpondyCast was made possible by donations from the Spondylitis Association of America's individual members and our show's corporate sponsor, AbbVie. Since our founding in 1983, the Spondylitis Association of America has been the face, voice, and leading nationwide nonprofit educating, empowering, and advocating for people living with spondyloarthritis. Through our extensive work with patients, the medical community, and partners, we provide information and resources to help people impacted by the disease live better lives and champion research to find a cure.